I'm Nick. And I'm Sean. And, and these, these are Our Fermenting Thoughts. I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of days about autism. Yeah. I think we spoke about it before, actually. We have. Plus, I've, um, I've an autistic brother. Yeah, um, I remember you saying, and obviously my eldest is, we suspect she's on the autistic spectrum. We're just waiting a diagnosis. But I watched a program called, I think it was called Inside the Mind of Autism. And it was hosted by Chris Packham, who I didn't realise is on the autistic spectrum. And he was diagnosed in 2017. And the idea behind it was he would go and meet in each episode a couple of people on the spectrum and get them to make a film about what it's like to be autistic. And there were two extremes on the first one we watched. There was a a lady called Flo, who was a stand-up comedian and high-functioning in lots of ways in the way her autism is, but masks as well quite a lot. And her mum, her mum thought she knew Flo, like when asked the question on a percentage, how much do you think you know your daughter? She'd say, oh, about 93%. But Flo was like, how much, when asked, how much do you think that, your mum knows you. She said about 70%. And then she talks about how she feels even the need in front of her mum to mask. So I could draw a lot of parallels between my daughter and Flo. But then the second person on it was non-verbal. And there are times where my daughter, she's completely verbal and can communicate. But there are times where she's got a vacant look on her face and it's like, the words, you know, the words are there, but you can't get them out. And that's this is exactly what this guy was like. He, he basically, he couldn't ever get the words out verbally, but he was, you could tell when he was using his like um, typewriter thing and his iPad to communicate. He was very, very, very intelligent. And that, watching that made me think about, because this is also just um, last week with it being half term, I took my kids to the National Video Game Museum in Sheffield. And I knew my youngest would like it because she's well into Minecraft and all that stuff. Whereas I knew my eldest probably wouldn't. And I did it anyway and I regret it now looking back, but it was such a sensory overload. And those two things, the the video game museum and this Chris Packenberger made me think about hospitality spaces and craft beer and the way that we often talk about inclusivity, which I think is right and proper. Mm. But I still feel like disabilities are really underrepresented. In, in craft beer and hospitality spaces. So I oh, posted a question on Twitter, like, you know, anyone out there that is autistic or ADHD, like, please get in touch. I'd, I'd love to hear your experiences. And a few people got back in touch saying that they can't really attend beer festivals or even go to the pub because so many of them are so noisy and all the rest of it. That's it's a really interesting sad, point. It? It, it is, it is. And uh, yeah, I don't think... Um, it's almost like me, if I could be personal about that, I hope it's a appropriate parallel to draw, but me having uh, a major hip problem at the moment, which I don't mind everybody knowing all about because it's going to require hip replacement. Anyway, cut a long story short, the reason I digress to that is in parallel. Now when I've been getting to meetings, going into town, going on the tube, I'm looking for the, you know, having a much fuller appreciation of everybody that's got anything that's disabling them in, in, in whatever manner. And also, where are the lift access? Who's actually telling you where they are? What are the communication points? So going back to autism, I think this is absolutely critical that the industry 
gets a hold of this and 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 understands the special needs not just of autism but of, of special needs scenarios in accommodating people on the work side and customer side for, for, for everything you've just expressed you know whether it's um so understanding that if a person like yourself comes in with your family you say well can we go to a quieter spot or you know and and it becomes a a part of i mean I, i'm i'm in despair to a certain extent that hospitality training in general hasn't improved in the last 30 years since you know over the time i, I was running venues as well because it should be just a core part of staff training mm. that, 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 that any floor staff anybody that's in a customer facing role should be aware of um you know not only the house policy so to speak but even if the house policy is say no pets that they're totally briefed on the kind of needs that people have and understand them so that you don't get to the bar or the purchase point and and you know there's a raising of the eyebrows or no we don't do that or just it's just horrendous yeah i mean it's 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 bloody rude it's it's um it's poor form from the trade itself um there's no investment in the the training and understanding of these things um on a positive note there are examples around the country which um i can't actually sort of name on here but they're they're, they're easily found if googled um of enterprises in hospitality that are fully um you know embracing of, of, of this scenario of both uh, production end and hospitality end i was down in such a place in devon a couple of years ago and it was fully run by special needs and and autism uh, staff yeah, it's absolutely brilliant place cafe mm. um and it was referenced to your sensory comments you know it, it was in a woodland uh aspect um everything about it was mellow and um, everything was about empowering all the staff to explore in combination with them working in the cafe bistro to you know the arts and crafts elements of, of the enterprise it was just superb and and that's what needs to be extended you know not naively it can't be extended into all hospitality spaces but um like most things it needs effort and focus from yeah. the trade um and and actually i will name check uh, one because it's just sprung to mind and people don't know it enough about said brewery is that alan rice up at atom uh, from the off um has always engaged that uh policy um and he has had people i don't know the full extent um but certainly people from um colleges and uh welcomed into his business and actually involved in in production um that are either autistic or have other special needs and he's done that from the time that he founded that brewery fair play to him yeah i mean there are lots of well i say lots a handful maybe of breweries and places out there that do focus on this so there's a a social enterprise in sheffield called brew social that i've done some work with where um, they have people with special disabilities come in and help out. Um, obviously, you know, they have to take all the necessary precautions and even then some more so <laughs> to be able to make sure they're safe and stuff. There was Spotlight Brewing based in Snaith. I don't know if they're still going. Um, a guy called Rick, who, okay. um, you know, worked with um, people with learning disabilities. And then there was, there was again, this, they aren't going anymore, Ride Bruco up in Glasgow. Um, where 
Dave, who was the founder, who's sold the business and moved on now. Um, he has ADHD and we, me and him both share the same hearing condition, um, a progressive hearing loss called otosclerosis. So, you know, we, we've had interesting conversations about it. And I'm not saying that, therefore, every venue, every brewery needs to start employing people on the spectrum with special needs or that every venue needs to start making loads of changes and so on. Because I think that in some ways is the knee-jerk reaction. Right, well, let's make the spaces, let's do this, that, and the other. Then you get, well, what about where people like to listen to music or people like to have that buzz and that energy and so on? I'm not saying we should get rid of that at all. In some ways, I almost feel like, and I might get totally shot down for saying this, but I almost feel like there should be a sign on the door being like, we are autistic friendly or we're not very autistic friendly here. Um, but obviously you can't do that because I'm like, you're not autistic friendly, let's cancel those people, total bastards and all the rest of it. And it's like, I, I would just find it helpful as a parent of an autistic child if I'm taking my kid out for tea and we want to have a nice time to be able to walk to the venue and see, is this space being made friendly for people on the autistic spectrum or with any kind of special needs, whatever your special needs like? We'll take my hearing, for example. Like, is the music going to be turned up to 11 or is it going to be nice and low? I want to be able to see that because if if not, then there's a sign on the door saying, actually, we play music really loud and so on. I can walk by, Okay. Fair enough. I'm not going to cancel them. I'm just like, okay, this this place isn't for me. But the, the in some ways, I feel like the problem is because we have to make it inclusive for everyone, and and we do. But as someone pointed out to me in this Twitter conversation, it's really hard because you know they try to separate the tables as much as possible, but that then means less income because there are less bodies in there. And you've always got this tension, this pull between, well, we do need to make money. We need to make a living. It needs to be economically viable, but we need to be inclusive. And it's, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is a, a surefire answer, but for I, I me at least, I'd just, like to, I'd just like to know one way or the other. Well, yeah, and, and, and a lot of people don't say it. You know, I'm going to say it fairly strongly, but it's, it's uh, hopefully people will understand what I'm trying to say, which is that, you know, from the flip side, the, the, the groups that perceive that they... So, okay, here, here's a uh, hopefully an easy example. So if you're running a coffee shop um, and you're, you know, um, a relatively small business, independent, and you've got the, what I call the um, laptop dwellers <laughs> in Enforce, well, it's yeah, a problem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they might buy that one latte and, of course, 14 hours later when they've... You know, everybody's packing up. They're still there. Um, oh, I so, am that guy. <laughs> so, and, and so there is a reality, and there is a you know balance that has to be struck in terms of courtesy and respect, but and communication on all parties. And I remember going to a um, alcohol free. It was the Brew Dog, and I'll name it. It was the Brew Dog event in Shoreditch when they did their alcohol free bar in Shoreditch uh, site, and um, um, and and then called that site an alcohol. Free low alcohol site going forward. Um, but going to the launch event and uh, to a couple of subsequent events, it was almost the reverse scenario where, you know, if you were actually, it, it almost felt palpably that if you were seen to be kind of a, a normal bar goer, pub goer, that you kind of weren't welcome. So it can work the opposite way as well. Yeah, I'm no, to say. And yeah, I hope no that, absolutely. You know, and, um, that clearly is also not on. It's just like, well, hang on a minute. 
Um, now, how easy is it to the only way, like all of our disputes, miscommunications, um, conflicts, uh, personal or, or world, or the list goes on, is is communication um, and and it being spoken about in the correct uh, industry forum, so to speak. But also, more importantly, who's actually on board with this? Who's implementing this? Um, you know, how is it going to be implemented? Um, and more importantly, the operators all present full disclosure on we understand what's being spoken about, but we're not engaging or that part of our estate is uh, is is in progress with these, you know, concerns or all that sort of thing. Whereas at the moment, it's very bitty. There's no solid one-track communication about it all. Yeah, it is a very tough issue. And you're never going to please everyone because particularly with neurodivergent stuff, there are people that are undiagnosed and medical professionals don't know what the issue is. Well, it's like this, again, Chris Packham said this and it's so true. It's like if you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. The stereotypes are always things like Rain Man or kids lining up coloured objects in a row. And my daughter's not like that. But it's it's so hard to explain to people who don't see her as we, as we see her in in the privacy of how sometimes she behaves and and I I don't fully understand it because like, I'm not inside her head. The best way of describing it is if you if anyone listens to this goes to YouTube and types in um, what it's like for a non English speaking person to hear English. It comes up with a short film and there's. It's like about 40 minutes long and there's two people speaking English, but none of it makes sense apart from the odd sentence and word. And it's the most weird experience because you're like, I understand every single word you're saying, but it, none of it makes sense. And and it's it so messes with your head. And I, that's in some ways what I imagine is going off in my daughter's mind, only from a sensory perspective. So, you know, like you said about the Woodland Glade thing, I think if that was like a... A brewery tap room, and I obviously can't be outdoors all the time. But if there was some like really serene place playing Enya, and my my daughter loves Enya, um, like you know, like playing Enya, and it's all like a bit like a, bit, a little bit like going to Hobbiton, you know, um, and it's not rowdy and it's serene. She'd probably love that as a as a, a family place to go eat and to have some nice beers and stuff. But so much of it is like booch, 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 wah, 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 when you go to these you know brewery tap rooms and stuff. And again, Absolutely. coming back to my deafness, like, I can't fucking hear a thing, you know, when, <laughs> when, when that's happening at all. And it's just, I hate it. I then I think, like, I'm just, maybe it's just me. No, I just it, think, no, did, did, I, I, are I, I there people little... out there that actually enjoy that? There must be, but it's not me, but, you know, there you go. Well, no, it's, it's again, um, I, I must listen to that thing myself, but certainly knowing my brother and, and, and having a fuller understanding of... Yeah, and I don't say that in a pretentious way. You know, it's like everything. We, we are constantly learning, uh, even those professionals in the round or autism, just to isolate it, but all special needs. Um, you know, they you get those that are humble about the journey, learning e- even in professional care and support, and others that don't. You know, a bit like all sort of issues that are oh, this is the carte blanche don't know we you know we are we've discussed it as professionals and this is our theory on 
this aspect of autism. It's like, hang on, hang on. You know, wrong language. Uh, it's changing by the week. Um, you know, new things are learned, just like they are in neuroscience in general. Um, and so let's all, in the meantime, just be humble about the journey and try to spend as much time as we can um, appreciating the consequence, sorry, complications of it for for the individual and and all the group needs, if I could put it that way. So, yep. you know, my brother's now um, in, a, in a lovely supported situation, but it took him a long time to get there. And essentially, it's not because he's with other people that are like him. Again, that's rude and sort of discourteous to, you know, he's just he's just in a more appreciated place for mm. the for his requirements. Um, I hope I'm sort of not uh, labouring the point, but you know, it's um, yeah, it, it's absolutely critical. That in any case, back to where we were, that it's it's um, it's a discussion. It's it's implemented. Um, and you know, the PR with a lot of these companies, the bigger operators, is oh yes, we're doing this, and you know, it's all lip service, all lip service, because we all know that if you, without naming some of the operators, you go into one of the group operators, and we know that not only have the staff not been, so it's not their fault they've not been trained on any aspect of the business, they're just the body. Behind that, by they have no knowledge of the products, let alone what the customer needs might be. Um, so, reinvestment in training in hospitality is is a fundamental number one issue in my mind. And of course, the irony is that if it's implemented properly, it will resu- result in commercial outcome anyway. Um, you know, it's not like the the accountants say, "Oh no, this is going to add you know, another two percent." To our business cost this year, it will be a two percent business cost. Yes, that will pay off to a much bigger percentage going forward. 